Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new edition of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. He is Kevin Quigley. I'm Jared Pugar. Kevin, it's been an eventful week, and I'm not just talking about the holiday. Last week, National Signing Day festivities uh, took took over the nation, and Penn State's got its initial round of guys, and you have to be impressed to what they're bringing onto campus. I'm excited for it, and... They've really got the position of need or one of the positions of need. The offensive line, we didn't think it'd be a strength this year, and it turned out to be. And then they go out and sign the number one interior offensive lineman and Alex Birchmeyer and sign the number one recruit in the state and the number five overall offensive tackle in Javen Williams. And that offensive line, especially if those guys turn out to be what the recruiting profile says they're going to be, like, that sounds like two cornerstones for the next three or four years that is going to cement Nick Singleton's future, Katron Allen's future, Drew Aller's future and his protection of his knees and his ankles. And like, this seems like a class, like, yeah, it's not as ranked as high. It's 15th nationally per two, four, seven, but that's what they needed to get. And they got it. Yeah. And I mean, they went defense. I mean, they, right now they have 12, they signed 12 on defense, 10 on offense. And, you know, 11 of those 22 guys are going to be on campus in January. And that's that right there is the most important thing, because that extra semester of work just makes things that much better for them moving forward. You saw what that's done uh, for a lot of those guys like Drew Aller. And that's exactly what you, you need. You need that extra semester, get adjusted to college life get adjusted to the college weight program and it just is going to help you down the road. And I mean, you've got Birch Meyer and Mega Barnwell and Anthony Dunco and Lamont Payne and guys like that, that are going to be there in January. That's going to help Penn state come August. Yeah, it really will. And like you said, they went heavy on defense and they got a lot of guys, especially late. Uh, like Kavion Keys. Um, I think Tamir Robinson's going to be a good player. It just, I mean, number four in the state and edge rusher. Penn State really didn't have a great edge rusher this year. I mean, Chop Robinson was doing his thing. Um, deny Dennis Sutton's get there. You know, you've got some players there, but they needed to build that up. And then they went heavy on linebackers, which they have Abdul Carter coming back next year. But other than that, like coming into this year, that was a position of, question marks and then they solidified the back end with getting a lot of high-end recruits there so really exciting stuff for, and they're gonna have all that spring ball to play they're gonna have summer ball to play and get ready and then coming in next year like next year could be a big one and it seems like the momentum is the trade's picking up speed going down that hill yeah i mean penn state's in a great spot and i think you know we, we talk about penn state are they back well i don't necessarily think that they left i think you know, 2020 and 2021 were just kind of just kind of seasons that weren't obviously up to the Penn State standard, but they also had extenuating circumstances. Uh, not that everybody else in the league or in the country didn't. It just impacted Penn State a lot differently than it did other schools. So it's not that they haven't had this amount of talent, but it's just finally things are starting to click and gel and mesh once again. And now it's got that feeling that it did back in 2016 where, okay, this team, this program should be here to stay. Uh, and with these guys, 
you know, 19 of these guys were team captains for their programs in high school. So there's leadership there. There are leadership qualities. And, you know, let's look at Penn State as a whole. You know, they've got some pretty good studs that are that are true freshmen uh, and that are younger. And adding these guys to the fold, now you've got competitive depth, one through four at a position. And that's exactly what the Nittany Lions have needed because that's what they've lacked uh, in recent years. Yeah. And, you know, they built, they got a couple extra tight ends. I think, yeah, they built up to depth that they don't necessarily have because they had two down recruiting years after 2020 and 2021. Like they just needed to kind of, they didn't leave, but they kind of got knocked off track or, you know, they had a little bit of a stumble there where like the momentum after like 2018 class, like that class was huge. And then they kind of just like sputtered out towards the end because of 2020 and 2021, they just couldn't keep the momentum going. But now it seems like they've put together back-to-back classes. The freshman class was, seems to be living up to everything it was billed to be. I mean, Catron Allen, Catron Allen, Nick Singleton, Abdul Carter, all those guys showed out this year and, didn't really look like freshmen towards the end of the year. I mean, I if you told me Abdul Carter was a freshman after, you know, the last couple of games that they played, it's like, yeah, there's no way that guy's a freshman. Um, so, and then Catron Allen, Nick Singleton, setting the both of them eclipsing the previous freshman record for running backs and rushing and in touchdowns. Like, they had all that, and it's good. And then they needed to follow up, back it up with a good recruiting class this year. It seems like they have. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what the doctor ordered for Penn State to move forward and have that sustainable success. And that's exactly what we're getting. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how this class unfolds because, again, and I like to say this all the time, once they get to campus, there are no stars. And that's, you know, when you look at it, 15 of these recruits are rated four stars or higher by all the different recruiting services. So those star rankings don't matter or don't exist once they get to campus, but that's the level of expectation they're expected to have. Um, You know, can this guy perform as a five-star? Can this guy perform as a four-star? So, you know, then you get to see what, what they, what each guy has. And that's what I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see guys like Mega Barnwell and Alex Birchmeyer and see if they can push the envelope and, and get that early playing time. Because Franklin's, I think now more so, more than ever is capable and willing to play guys that are good enough to play as freshmen. Yeah. And I like what you said about there's no stars when you get to campus. It's true. And Penn state coaches have proved time and time again, that they can do a lot or like they go know how to find those guys that aren't as highly touted. I mean, they're not, they're not competing with Alabama and Ohio state on the recruiting trail. We can get into that later, but a lot of these rankings mean nothing and getting them into campus or getting them onto campus, develop them, developing them, coaching them up, understanding their strengths and getting them to the point where it's usable in the system. And then it produces talent in the NFL. I mean, Chris Godwin, um, just look at half of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster. They're all Penn Staters, Connor McGovern, um, Penn State's put a lot of talent into the off, into the NFL of, not necessarily positions of strength for the program, but they keep sending them there. And then if you look at, I just had, 
I was looking at the 2018 recruiting rankings just because that's what always pops up for me on 247. Um, if you look at the corner, I, I started digging into this because uh, Micah Parsons was the number two rated def- defensive end in that class. Uh, some I forget Xavier. Xavier Thomas was the number one and he went to Clemson and he's still at Clemson and Micah Parsons two years into the NFL at this point in time. But then I got to cornerback rankings because I saw uh, Sante Samuel Jr. He was number nine that year. And then if you scroll down a little bit more, uh, J.C. Horn was the 22nd ranked cornerback and went eighth overall last year in the NFL draft. So it's going to be the recruiting rankings. Yeah, we put a lot of stock into them, but it's what can the coaching staff do to develop these guys to be that next level of talent? And it seems like Penn State's not had top five recruiting classes and they're putting a lot of guys in the NFL, which means their development is good. And since those recruiting rankings are getting better, they're getting better talent in at a better starting point. And I think that's big for us. Yeah. And and I think that's the, that's the big thing for Penn State is getting those guys in early, getting them acclimated early. That just helps, right? Anytime you, the more reps and the more practice that you get, the more opportunities that you get, it's only going to help them. And and you're seeing that, you know, time and time again. And, and Franklin to his credit has done a great job of getting kids to campus, getting them there early and keeping them there. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how these guys develop. And I'm, I'm very excited to see that, but what we're going to develop is a quick break. And then we're going to come back for more on the lashing out podcast on the sports now network. Welcome back to the Lashing Out Podcast and Indy Sports Town Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Just because Penn State has signed 22 student athletes does not mean that they're done. There's still some some holes, some some things that they need to fix and and kind of replenish uh, and and find some maybe diamonds in the rough. Uh, and I think the biggest thing there is just diagnosing that and, and figuring out what that means for Penn State and what they're going to attack, whether it be in the portal or even using the later signing day. Yeah, I think the number one need for Penn State going forward is that wide receiver. They only signed one in the class. I think Ohio State signed two five-star guys. Like, if there's a position that Penn State's really getting out-recruited in and really not bringing in talent, it is wide receiver. They're not getting those high-end guys and not gonna not gonna slight any of the guys in the program now, but they're not Michael Thomas, they're not um Jackson Smith and Jigba, they're not a Buka. Uh Julian Fleming was a Penn State commit for or wasn't a Penn State commit, but he was down to Penn State and Ohio State. It, he walked out. And like I think that's where Penn State's really getting beat on the recruiting trail, and I think we see that because you know, that we they are putting receivers in the NFL, but we're not necessarily getting those high end talents. And it seems like, you know, we had Parker Washington and then he got hurt. And then I said that his production could have been supplemented, but I think there is still a gap there on that hole. So I'd like to see them get another get a wide receiver in the portal. But I think their roster is decently positioned um going into the offseason, even if they don't find them. Like Keandre Lemmer-Smith, Harrison Wallace, 
Caden Saunders. I think those three guys could be the next, like that's going to be the next trio of Penn State receivers. So I don't think Penn State's necessarily hurting there, but I definitely think it could be improved. Yeah, I think I think wide receiver is a spot where they can hit the portal, and they have done a good job of that. Uh, you know, Mitchell Tinsley uh, was a good pickup uh, this year, and you know, I think that's the important thing too is is just finding out what you need. I think they could go and get another quarterback. Um, I know they have Jackson Smollett coming in, but then you have Bo Perbola, um, and Drew Aller. You know, you need another guy, maybe with some experience, uh, to push for that backup spot. Now that, you know, Clifford, I think, is going to be done. I, I don't know if he's going to come back for a 65th year at Penn State. Um, but obviously with Christian Veyu off to Pitt, of all places, um, which I honestly think is, is a good setup for him. He'll be um, going behind Phil Jerkovic uh, and then getting significant playing time as a starter, I would imagine, if things fall his way. Um, so that's a thing. Um I think defensive line is going to be a is going to be somewhere that they hit, and they've hit they've they have hit home run after home run up front for um for Penn State in the portal, and I think that's I think they're going to hit there, and I think they might sign you know a couple lesser named guys uh, to this class if the if there are a couple scholarships open, and once you're able to do that, I think Penn State's going to be in really good shape moving forward. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, Arnold Arnold Ebikide was a massive home run. Charles Robinson's a big home run as well. And yeah, I think I think you got to find somebody to supplement PJ Mustafer's production. Um, because I Izzard looks like he's gonna be a good player, but he's a uh, what is he? He's a redshirt sophomore, so he probably only has one year. Like I agree, that's gonna be a position that they need to get. Um, and yeah, only having three scholarship quarterbacks next year. I think James Franklin hinted at this is. Like quarterback depth is probably going to be the worst position for depth uh, with the transfer portal because there's only one of them on the field at a time. It's not wide receiver. It's not tight end. Uh, it's not a defensive rotation where they're just getting guys in, especially on the lines. Like there's one guy he's the show and that's it. And a lot of these guys are coming into college, big fish, little pond. And then now all of a sudden they're a little fish, big pond. And they're like, I'm going to go get playing time elsewhere. So I think, yeah, another quarterback, if they get a second or a third year guy, he's probably played, you know, maybe six or eight games, something like that, just to have that backup role. He's, you know, he's contempt. He's contempt to be that backup, but also is, is also has the skill set to be ready to win games and come in and do well if he needs to. Yeah, and that's tough, right? Because you're coming into a spot where you know you're not the starter. But as, you know, last season showed at Iowa, you have to be ready you have to have a backup plan and you have to have a quality one at that if you want to remain competitive. So you have to have that option. Is Can Bo Perbola do that? Probably, but he hasn't been tested. And, and and obviously we're still not even done with the year that, you know, that Drew Aller had. So, you know, obviously he's not been a starter for Penn State yet. So it's just kind of balancing that and and seeing where you're at and seeing where your, where your holes remain. And, you know, fortunately for the portal, there are options out there at the quarterback position. But again, if you're in the portal as a quarterback, you probably want to start. And you know that you're probably not going to start if you're going to Penn State. It's just as simple as that. It's Drew Aller's team after the Rose Bowl. Uh, so you got to be ready for that. But again, 
it's just, you know, finding and identifying the guys that are going to fix your program, what you want to do and, and going from there. And I think Penn state and James Franklin have really done a good job of that uh, the past few years. And, and I think that's been a strong suit for them, you know, as the, the landscape of college football has changed. Yeah. I think we can safely say Penn state was not one of the two programs offering $5 million for Drake may. Um, so yeah, like they those are teams vying for starting quarterbacks or, you know, if you're, if you're looking at transferring at to Ohio state, you know, there's going to be, a, there's going to be an open competition. If you're transferring to Alabama, you know, there's going to be an op- open competition. Um, you're not going to Clemson because Kate Klubnick looks like the guy there. Like coming to Penn state would be definitely, yeah, you're signing up for a backup role, but it's going to be an important role. And as James Franklin has shown, the team's really good. They don't have the, worst schedule or the hardest schedule next year there's probably going to be some playing opportunities so you come in here even if it's just for a year you're back up to drew aller if he gets hurt then you then you have a really good roster around you you can prove yourself or penn state's up 40 to nothing on who they play next year umass and uh you get in for a quarter and a half of game action and then you can really build your resume up when you're playing Delaware and UMass and whoever else they have next year coming to town. So I don't think it's the worst place for a transfer portal quarterback. Who's just looking for a net that next chance. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's the portal is the land of opportunity, right? And it's just finding the right opportunities and and the right players that, that fit that. And Penn state's in great shape. If they go and don't hit the portal, they're not, it's not going to, drastically impact them it's not going to hurt them if they don't get everybody but it won't it certainly will help them if they can go out and get a good receiver a good offensive lineman a, a good defensive lineman and and that'll be kind of interesting to see and and again this signing this this class isn't i i don't think that this is fully over yet and I, it'll be interesting to see you know how it goes and in college football man you know, now that these guys are at least signed on the dotted line, it's a lot different, right? Because if you're not signed on the dotted line, you're, it, it, it's your word. It, it, the commitment doesn't, the verbal commitment is just a verbal commitment. It doesn't tie you to anything, right? So, and you, and you see that with certain players that, you know, commit to a school, decommit to a school, commit to a school, commit to a school, then to, to commit to a school. And that's the dirty part of the recruiting process that people just kind of ignore, you know, and to, to be 17, 18 and making these decisions, these are career, these are life altering decisions. So yeah. Is there a little bit of empathy to the players in that position where they're going, Hey, listen, I can go take a full ride or I can take a preferred walk on here, you know, versus, you know, lower tier school, like a Mac school um, or, you know, an FBS school or full ride there or, or what have you. But these kids also have to make these decisions, and the the programs themselves have to put themselves in good in good good positions to to be fair and real, and and not everybody does that. And I think you see that with the volumes of players that enter the portal year after year after year, uh, from from whatever school that might be, are they real? And I think at Penn State, and I think James Franklin, these players are getting told from the beginning that hey, you might not play right away but you're going to have a chance to compete and you're going to have a chance to compete and get better. And you look at, you know, outside of a couple of players here and there, 
um, they're they're not going to bigger programs from Penn State. They're going to tra- they're in, entering the portal, and it's more of a, a numbers game where they're going somewhere FCS or or a Mac school like Mac Hippenhammer or, or something like that. Yeah, or Akron or UMass, like or ODU, and just follow. I mean, they're just following Penn State assistants around, you know, because they've committed to the coach and not necessarily the team or the university. And they built a good relationship with that coach and, you know, the future wasn't there at Penn state. So yeah, it seems, it seems that Franklin and the staff have really figured out how to navigate the transfer portal. They've used it to their advantage. They haven't really had any big losses. I mean, really the only big recruit that's walked out of the door is Justin Shorter. You know, he had that foot injury and then left to go to UF. So it's, I, I think they're in a good spot and I'm, I'm pretty happy with the recruiting class now, and we'll see what the future holds for him. What the future, what the immediate future holds, is the third and final segment of the Lashing Out podcast, and we'll get to that here right after this quick break on the Nikki Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast and Nitty Sports Now Network. He's Kevin Creekley. I'm Jared Prugar. Kevin, the Penn State world was kind of shook over the last week with the death of Franco Harris. Franco was obviously notorious for the single greatest play in NFL history. And I say that, and it's super hard for me to say that because as a Dallas Cowboys fan, the Cowboys and Steelers were the rivalry of the 70s, right? Staubach, Bradshaw, Harris, Dorsett. And Franco epitomized team first, family first um, type of play. And he did that both at Penn State when he was blocking for Lydell Mitchell. And I think that's the coolest thing, right? People know Franco Harris is the running back in the NFL. But when he was at Penn State and he was wearing number 34 – he was blocking for Lydell Mitchell, who was no slouch of a running back either, but he was a fullback, right? Fullback's worst thing. Um, and what he learned under Joe Paterno helped make the Immaculate Reception happen. The 50th anniversary was just Saturday. And, of course, you know, the Steelers win that game, and, and deservedly so. It was a game that honestly deserved to be played in the 1970s or 80s or wherever because uh, it was just not – I don't think either team was good. The Raiders are awful and the Steelers are just as bad, if not worse. Um, but, but he epitomized what makes a Penn state football player special. He stuck around the university. He was great. He's been a, a great asset for, for James Franklin and company. He introduced Pat Fryermuth, uh when he was selected by the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was a great ambassador for the game, both at the collegiate level and at the high school level. And there wasn't any any better of a man, uh, in my opinion, than Franco Harris. And it, and it sucks to see him go. And it sucks that he didn't get to see his number retired and Steelers lore, uh, because that is an honor that only three people have ever had. And he was incredibly deserving of that honor. And it, it's unfortunate, right, that that he just he didn't live to see it. Yeah, and I think I saw something. It's kind of fitting to sports Pittsburgh sports. Uh, Willie Stargell, I believe, died two days before the opening of PNC Park when they unveiled the Willie Stargell statue. So 
kind of some parallels there. It's tragic, nevertheless. Never had a, I never saw that guy not smiling on the camera. And like you said, great ambassador of the game. Uh, NFL all-time leading rusher in the Super Bowl by almost 60 yards. He has four games, has four rushing touchdowns in the Super Bowl. I mean, his Penn State career is, wasn't very prolific. Just looking at the stats, I can't really vouch for it because I can't say I watched too many games for the 1969 through 71 seasons. I wasn't walking the earth at this point, at that point in time. So, and uh, Hall of Famer in the NFL, 11th all time, tied with Jerome Bettis for career rushing touchdowns. Like his career kind of got overshadowed by the Immaculate Reception, which is kind of a shame. Um, but yeah, his life after his playing days, just it's what you want your player to be. Um, ambassador for not only the game but your program your team um he's pretty philanthropic so yeah sad to see him go and it sucks that he wasn't honored before the 50th anniversary like kind of stinks for this i mean 50 is a big like a round number but we kind of got that at 40 right and i think that's the, the that's the unique thing about the steelers right they have all these players especially from the 70s and 80s um that are so very deserving of these honors. I mean, the Immaculate Reception turned the tide of the franchise, the this, this Steelers franchise, and turned them into a, a winning pro, a winning franchise. But you mentioned Willie Stargell. He died the day that PNC Park opened, and I will never forget that um, because, you know, a lot of the, the fact that, you know, he gets a, he gets a statue outside of the, out of the ball, outside of the ballpark, and it's a new era of <laughs> – of pirates baseball, but it, it does have that kind of feeling, right? You just, you don't know how to feel because you want to be able to celebrate this great, the history and, and honor, but you also kind of have to grieve, you know, the death of a legend. And, and that's, what's unique about sport. Right. And, and it, let's be real. The, the single greatest play in NFL history happened when he was 22 years old and a rookie. So then, so then he goes up and, and, goes four year uh becomes a four year Super Bowl or four time Super Bowl champion, Hall of Famer in nineteen ninety, which was the year I was born. So it's not like we were ever able to watch anything but highlights and old game footage. But he meant so much to Penn State, so much to that program and so much to the city of Pittsburgh and a Pittsburgh Steelers organization. Uh it, it sucks to see a guy like that go. They don't really make them like that um anymore. And and you know we're fortunate enough to to see that, and we're fortunate enough to experience guys like that, and and you hope that more come out. But you know before we before we wrap this up, you know this is a big week ahead for Penn State. We're just under a week away from the Rose Bowl now. Six days as of the when this podcast will come out, Penn State has arrived in LA. They escaped frigid cold of the of the Northeast. And I'm starting to get, I'm starting to get a little anxious. You got to love it, right? It, it, it's, it's one of those situations. The Rose Bowl's approaching quite quickly, and I'm here for it. Yeah, and I don't think if you're a player, you touch down in LA anxious. Did you see the plane that they had this week? Oh man, today Clifford it's posted. Insane. I think Theo Johnson posted. Like, I want to fly with those amenities. Uh, I saw people losing their minds over. Well, my tuition should be lower. And it's like, I'm sure the Rose Bowl's 
contributed significantly to that flight and it's the bowl game it's the rose bowl like those players don't fly like that all the time and they're also mostly six one six three and up and jared you probably don't have this problem but as a six foot one person flying in normal uh coach on an aircraft the leg space is a little tight and uh, I don't know if I want my six seven offensive lineman who weigh three hundred pounds sitting in a standard accommodation seat. So uh, bad take if you're saying that Penn State shouldn't be flying like that too. Maybe they don't need to be flying as lavishly, but they're college kids. They don't get to go to Rose Bowl awesome often. Fly them in class. Um, yeah, six days out. We got a preview pod coming up later this week, but the anticipation is building, and I can't wait for. Uh, all the pageantry and what should be a really good game. Yeah, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a good game. It'll be a good chance to see Sean Clifford in action one last time. It almost kind of, it, it's almost weird because you just don't think that he's ever going to go away. Um, he's like the sixth, the seventh year itch, but, but I'm excited to see um, guys like Nick Singleton, guys like Katron Allen, guys like Abdul Carter perform on a big stage. I think Penn State is a better team than Utah, but that doesn't mean that that always amounts to a win, right? But it'll be – what I'm excited to see is, is those guys in action and, and see what they've got. And you're right. We do have a preview uh, podcast coming up later this week, and then we'll get into um, bull prep and, and all that fun stuff. But, you know, it, it it's going to be a lot of fun to, to see that. And I think we'd be kind of remiss if we didn't mention – that the guys that have elected to declare for the NFL draft are sticking around. Nick Tarburton, uh, guys like that, they're not they're not going at Juice Scruggs. They're playing in the bowl game. And Franklin mentioned that during his press conference. Last year was really the only year that they were hit by opt outs. Uh, and yeah, Joey Porter Jr. isn't isn't going to play in this bowl game, but he's also been dealing with some injuries. And I think overall, you know, that's. I think he's doing what's best for him, but to, to Franklin's credit and to the captain's credit, these guys are bought in and they are ready to go. Now, granted it's the granddaddy of them all, but it speaks volumes that there aren't players that opt out uh, and they go play one last game with the Navy lions. Yeah. And I think it is the Rose bowl. Like I really appreciate those guys not opting out, but also at the same time, once pretty much once in a lifetime chance to play in the Rose bowl. And they're taking it. So thank you to those seniors who have opted out or excuse me, have elected for the draft, but are not opting out. So yeah, can't wait. Well, Kevin, we've got a rest up for our podcast. that's going to come out later this week for Kevin quickly. This has been Jared Prugar on the lashing out podcast and Nitty sports now network. We'll catch you again later this week for a preview of the Rose Bowl between the Utah Utes and the Penn State Nittany Lions. Have a great week, everybody.